You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show with Score Morning Show co-host Mully from the Mully and Haw Show, Bears long snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley, and Score Football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It is the pregame show, and what a glorious show we have. We have Patrick Manley and Anthony Heron. And, guys, we have the Bears in Atlanta. We have the Bears with a grudge game for all of these ex Bears. I, I don't know if there's, it's a grudge game, <laughs> but the five coaches, they're Pete. No, we don't know. And the two general managers are bursting with the. I, I, we haven't heard from any of those guys, and the only guy that scares you is uh, is Cordero Patterson. How, how are we doing this morning? We're good, guys. Just a tough week after that loss to the Lions. I just, you know, I'm disappointed. Still, I said last week that that's a game they could have and should have won, and that would have been great for the locker room. But guess what? After watching these Falcons and seeing where they stand and who they are, they're almost a mimic of the Bears with their rushing offense and and their terrible defense as well, that we got a, another winnable game. I'm not going to say very winnable, but it's another winnable game and a chance for these young Bears to go out there and maybe uh, put something in the win column. No doubt to, to have the opportunity to, to take the field and say, you know what, I think our guys are as good as their guys to some extent. <laughs> right. then, you know, at least let you, when you're evaluating this thing, go into the game and say, all right, this, this team's got a shot. There's not a lot of games like this remaining on the schedule. You had the one last week against Detroit, like Patrick's talking about, and feels like this one. Even though Atlanta's truly in a battle for their division lead in the NFC South, it's not because they're an amazing team. It's because they're also in a weak division for this particular season. And personnel-wise, you don't necessarily see a lot of personnel advantages to the Falcons across the board. So it feels like a game the Bears can go on on the road. And we've seen them compete virtually every week. But is it a game where they may have key players who can make key game-changing, game-winning type plays? And I'd say, yeah, the Bears got a shot at that. Yeah, and I mean, look, if they don't win and if Minnesota wins, the Bears will be the first team eliminated from, uh, from their division competition. That's more about the Vikings having a great year, but it's also about the Bears being in last place in the division right now. Hmm. Yes, we'll lose the graphic in the hunt. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no longer no, a little bit of hope. That's not what I'm yeah. saying. You're not eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, okay. okay. But you're so eliminated from winning the hunt. As long as we're still in the hunt. Yeah, you're not going to take the north. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> but but the Bears have Justin Fields. And increasingly, 
that is the topic of conversation, the only topic of conversation. What we've seen from him repeatedly now, and what we've seen from Luke Getze, the way he's leaning into what Fields can do, this is something worth worth watching, and I think it's also something worth staying with to, to the end of every game. And, uh, and that's a glorious thing to see kind of unfold in front of you. Oh, it is, man. He, he's, he's exceptional, but there's still work to do. Anthony, I'm sure you've seen it too, him in the pocket, just not finding the right read, making the right throw. One example I have is from last week. He turned it into a completion and an amazing athletic ability that he has, but Byron Pringle was open right over the middle. He's sitting in the pocket looking at him. There's a little bit of color flashing from, uh, I think, Cody Whitehair, but he has plenty of time to make the throw, doesn't make the throw, spins out, then gets by some time, and then makes the throw to him <laughs> and hits him for, a, what, a 12-yard gain, I think it was. But that's one I'm sure that Luke Getzey and, and uh, the guys there are coaching him up. Like, listen, if you want to be a, tr- a great quarterback, you just need to be able to make that throw right away. Don't have to use your legs. You don't have to create because it is there. But um, he is fun to watch, and he is getting better. And, and that I think to us as Bears fans, that's what's most exciting is to seeing how great of an athlete he is, being the best athlete on the field, and this growth is there, but there is more to come. And all these reps end up mattering. All these opportunities are, are things that he's putting in the bank and getting the opportunity to grow from. And you, you get better at playing football by playing football. And so to every time he takes a snap from center, there's something to be learned. There's potentially some play to be made. It is a very fun and exciting time to to be a Bears fan, to evaluate this squad week in and week out because you, you see a quarterback who's got all the potential in the world and you're starting to see him realize some of that while at the same time still recognizing what, what's around him and how new so many things within the franchise are at the moment. And then it turns into this kind of polarized discussion of, of either you feel like, you know, there's nothing left to learn about Justin Fields for this season <laughs> or, you know, you're just sort of, you know, cast aside as this guy who who really, you know, wishes no no greatness for him either. And it, it really should be somewhere in between the two. It, it doesn't mean that you got to see him as a finished product. It doesn't mean you got to think he's a bum. But I think we're, we're seeing enough plays happen with recognizing that there, there will be more growth. There should be more growth for his first full season as a starter in the NFL and the first time, first year in Luke Getze's offense. There's a lot of cool things that Getze has been doing with Justin Fields, with these, with the players that the Bears have available to them on offense. And the, the progression that's happening, a lot of it is about just being in the system more as well. In addition to some of these wrinkles that have been added with you know a little bit more design QB run, you, just, you see a quarterback who's just getting more accustomed to the system as well, to the pre-snap phase of things, to all the ball handling that needs to happen post-snap. And yes, the, the pocket presence is still inconsistent, but that's improving. And that's where, you know, part of the crowd that thinks just have them throw the ball 50 times every game and we'll live with every mistake. I think there's a case to be made for that. And there are certainly some teams who take that approach. I think, you know, Jacksonville is taking that approach to some extent with Trevor Lawrence in a lot of their games. But I don't mind the the somewhat patient and methodical approach that Luke Getzey and the Bears are taking to saying, what what gives us the best opportunity for success? And what is this system that's here right now that suits the Bears? And it's not a high-volume passing offense. There's more passes available to Justin Fields. He just tends to turn some of them into really exciting scramble plays. So I don't, I don't have any issue at all with the way that they're operating from the volume of passes because we are seeing Justin Fields progress as a passer without saying he's got to attempt 45 to 50 passes in a game. 
Yeah, real quick. That, I think that's one thing that, that's hurting him a little bit, though. I'd, I'd love to get your guys' take on this. In the two-minute drill, to me, to run a two-minute drill, you've got to be a pocket passer. You've got to be able to read, you know, because defenses play a little bit more safe, and you've got to be able to read and react and make those throws from the pocket. And I think the limited number of true dropbacks that he's had all year and um, is kind of hurting him in the two-minute drill. Do you guys see that as well? I mean, it's just you can't take a 14-play seven-minute drive in the two minutes. Obviously, that's, that's common sense. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to throw it from the pocket, and you watch all the great ones, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, the guys that you know get it done at the end of games, they do it from the pocket. You know, Yeah, he could maybe break a, a run for 67 yards or 61 yards or something like that, but <laughs> that's not going to happen a lot. The more, more traditional way is, is trying to get it from the pocket in the last two minutes. Yeah, I Certain, think that. Yeah, go. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. Yeah, um, I think that because because we haven't seen the offense have success in that regard, it can be lost a little bit. That Justin has, of course, made made some plays, made throws within some of those late game two minute scenarios. You know, this season there's obviously some some prime examples of it. But even going back to last year, we saw him as a rookie drive the team down the field against mm-hmm. against. Uh, Green Bay, he did it where like a, an important late game fourth quarter drive to get it within one score, and then the defense gives up a decisive score to put the game away against San Francisco, against Pittsburgh. But then, of course, this season we, we saw it happen frequently in in games. You know, Minnesota and, and Washington, and and um, what Miami was one of them as well. I'm starting to lose right. track of of the various opportunities <laughs> that have been there in the right. fourth quarter with some of these games. But that being said, I, I think there's there's definitely growth to continue being made mm-hmm. there. I feel like that growth is happening. I don't. I don't think. I, I definitely. I agree. Justin is imperfect in mm-hmm. those scenarios. There's times where it feels like he can hang in the pocket and and cut it loose more frequently. But I don't. I don't necessarily feel like there's a at least through my lens a rush to get to the finish line. And I right. feel like that's right. what the discussion kind of turns into is like how right. quickly can we get to Justin as a finished product? I don't know. I, I think. I think the progress he's making is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I think. The, yeah. I, I, I'm not arguing that. I, I do think, though, Pat's point is well taken, which is that when you get into the he, – he completed two passes for 13 yards mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. So when you get into a game where you're protecting a lead and you're running and all of a sudden now you're you're tied, okay, well, then he breaks the big run. And, you know, that's not supposed to happen in the NFL. I still am amazed that he can do that. I, I Pat, I wonder – if you feel watching him like you did with Hester, like holy god, no, 100%. Like that, that can't happen. Like that doesn't happen. But you take you get the lead back, and then when you get the ball finally, where are you going? You, you're not you're not in a rhythm as a passer. You're not doing that as an offense. I think maybe last week was just this sort of weird uh, anomaly mm-hmm. where. You were playing one style, it was working. You're up a couple of touchdowns, and all of a sudden. It goes away, and now you're chasing the game, and you just don't have the rhythm uh, as an offense that you need to go get points. But but yeah. is that conversation the same, guys? If if they get the call against Miami, right. where no, he that, he sees that, Claypool one on one, where you know Darnell Mooney, if he catches yep. the ball against the yep. Commanders, I, I, right. I do feel like we're seeing the quarterback. Where there's been examples where mm-hmm. Justin Fields has made the right read and the right throw. Again, it's imperfect. He ain't Tom right. Brady in the two minute right. drill yet. But we, we've seen that he is capable of making the throw, making the play, and there have been times where either the officials have let the Bears down or his receiver yep. hasn't caught the, caught the ball. And, you know, I, just, I, I do think there's progress that's already shown there sure. without feeling like he's got to throw it dozens of times in game to really prove that. And I'm, and I'm kind of talking both sides out of, out of both sides of my mouth, too, because you're right. The equanimous St. Brown drop 
That was right a great here. throw. The Smith Marset fumble, whatever the heck he did. You know, he's moving the he's he's moving them. But I'm just kind of saying that if he did had more straight po- uh, drop back passes, would he be a little bit better? Would that help his growth go a little faster? Maybe it would. And Anthony, I'm I'm with you too on that. That I like the way they're going about it. I think they're doing it the right way. They're not force feeding him to throw the ball 50 times a game. They're, they're just dripping it to him and let him get better over time. And I think yeah. they're not for, force-feeding Mully the offensive line either, yeah. these wide right. receivers they can't. either. They can't. Right. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it, it, especially for their, not only their evaluation, but their comfort level and, and in knowing and feeling like they know what the offense is and isn't capable of. You know, it's not only about whether or not Justin Fields can handle being a volume passer. It's does that benefit this offensive line, or are they just under siege, you know, when you go to more volume passing? Yeah, when you have as few uh, targets as you have in the passing game, like Darnell Mooney, for example, last week, they threw the ball to him four times, and he caught all four of them. And you can't help but think – Geez, just double that, you know. Just keep mm-hmm. throwing the ball to him. Look what the guy's doing. Um, I, and I'd like to see them throw the ball more to Chase Claypool. You know, you mentioned some of those situations. A guy like that, a big guy, you know, who has a huge body, if he goes up, maybe he's more likely to make that catch than, you know, without having to double catch it or whatever happened with Mooney down at the one-yard line. Or And, and Pat, I would call you out on that. I don't think Equinemius St. Brown drop, dropped that ball. <laughs> It seemed like he waved at it as it went between his hands. He was waving at it as it went by? As it went through his hands. Yes. Guys, just, would you look at that? A football yeah. went by. Who would have thought it? a football. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Uh, but anyway, what did you think about Fields coming out and saying that he was going to have to taper back this week because his legs were tired? The guy's got – 555 running yards the last five weeks. He leads the NFL in rushing. I mean, he's 23, but my legs are tired watching him, for God's sake. (laughs) Anthony, let me take this real quick, because I was thinking about this, the tapering back. And I always remember, like, Matt Forte or whoever our running back was, in practice, when they would have a run, they would always run to the goal line. Thomas Jones would always take it to the end zone. And then this next guy would hop in or whatever. So they're just that's extra running. I'm wondering if on some of these QB runs – that they call in practice, they tell him just to kind of run to the linebacker level, stop, turn around. Because one, mm-hmm. he's the quarterback, you need to be back in the huddle. But two, that could help just the amount of, amount of you know, how much running he's doing during practice. Because I'm sure they're calling quite a few or w- working on quite a few of those runs to get ready for the game. And I think that maybe is just a little thing that they could do to say, dial it back. Let's just don't take it all the way to the end zone. Don't run 50 yards. Right. Just run seven and turn around and come back to the huddle. Right, just kind of break into the second level and, and just yeah. get that initial burst, then glide and turn around mm-hmm. and come on back. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of conversations that are happening about it, especially with his willingness to, to reference it publicly. And mm-hmm. it, it is interesting. Uh, you know, Mully, you, you and I were talking about this a bit during the week, and I've, I've referenced it on, on this show a, a number of times here, where Justin Fields wasn't like some, you know, wing T triple option quarterback in college. So this is new for his body in general during a football season. Obviously he's, he's an incredible, a special athlete, but that athleticism as a, as a running quarterback or at times as a run first quarterback, this is really his first foray into that. So it's, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm intrigued by just even watching him and listening to him describe just the, the physical and mental gymnastics of how to sort of piece this together. He was a volume passer in college who happened to be the best athlete on the field. It wasn't, it wasn't the inverse of that. So he's, you know, he, that, that to me is what's so 
so remarkable about this season is that he he is in a position, not just, you know, in the NFL and kind of just going through this whole situation for the first time, but in the style of play. This is the first time this remarkable athlete has played the quarterback position where his athleticism, where his mobility is the key threat to the defense. So there's a lot of this that he is learning on the fly, and he's just getting new information and compartmentalizing it. And it's really impressive to see that his game is so different now than anything he's ever been accustomed to before, and he's doing it at an elite level. It's it really it, it really impresses me that he's he's just kind of taking this information in and figuring out how do I kind of make this work over the longest well I mean this is his second year not his rookie year but certainly the longest season as a starter as a full time starter that he's ever been through you know guys hit the rookie wall sometimes and there's there's a lot for him to piece through and in fairness about that subject we talked to Biggs on Thursday we were doing the afternoon show Big Ant and he said that he w- he saw him driving in. On a golf court, on a golf cart from from practice, and then, you know, forty minutes after practice, he's out there with Claypool and Mooney and Equinemius St. Brown and the workaholic. That's that's <laughs> every day. So so tapering back, this could be kind of a rope a dope thing. I mean, the tapering <laughs> back could be what you're talking about, not sprinting on every yeah, play, yeah. but he's still out there throwing the ball to these guys as you need to do after practice every single day. Yeah, guys, he's 23. I hate to say yeah. it, he's 23. Yeah. <laughs> With 23-year-old legs, man, you can go forever. <laughs> All right, we've got Brian Finnerman, who is going to jo- Finnerin, who is going to join us uh, from Atlanta. We'll get a chance to to pick apart what the Falcons are doing, talk a little bit about how they attack things and where what their situation is. It's obviously, as you say, their division a lot different than uh, than the Bears, and I'm sure. That, that they're looking at this game as a very winnable game. But uh, but mirror teams, as we talked about, we'll uh, discuss that. We'll, we'll pick that apart with Brian Finner and the former Falcon and the host on 680, the fan in Atlanta. We'll do that next. You're listening to the pregame show sponsored by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. Hey, and don't forget, go get yourself some Zing Zang, the new Zing Zang Bloody Mary cocktail, the canned cocktail, premium vodka already in the can, and uh, they're always ready. Perfect for game day tailgates. Please, Zing Zang, responsibly. We'll be right back with Brian Finneran. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I actually was um, growing up. My dad has season tickets, so I would always, you know, go to the games with him and stuff like that. Uh, probably Julio, uh, Matt Ryan, of course. You know, growing up, so. That's it. It's the pregame show on the score, and you heard there the voice of the quarterback. If that doesn't make you feel older, if uh, if he grew up watching Matt Ryan instead of Mike Vick, I don't know, right. man. There's that uh, that was pretty wild, but his dad. Uh, season ticket holder, he went to games. There'll be a lot of people supporting uh, Justin Fields uh, in the stadium today, and we are delighted to welcome in Brian Finneran. He, of course, with WCNN 680, the fan in Atlanta, does the morning show there. you got to love a guy that does a morning show. And we've got uh, Patrick Manley and Anthony Heron, and now we uh, we welcome Brian Finnerman on the uh, the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. And, uh, you know, here in Chicago, it, it's gotten to a point now where all people really care about is if the quarterback can play well and then hopefully they win or th- maybe they just get a better draft pick. All anyone cares about is Justin Fields. Uh, here in Chicago, what's it like there? What what is the? I mean, you guys are in the thick of a division race, even though they're not having uh, you know a great year. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of a different feel. Um, we're not quite sure as a fan base uh, what the heck's going on to the quarterback position with Marcus Mariota. I mean, he's giving it his all. He's trying hard, and he's had some some moments, but he's also cost us a couple games with some fumbling situations as well. Um, I think a lot of the people down here. I wonder when Desmond Ritter is going to get a nod at some point. Do we need to lose a couple more games then to get to see what, he, what he's all about? Or do we ride this thing out with Marcus Mariota? So we are in a totally different um, world quarterback position-wise than you guys are with a, with a young talent like Justin Fields and the way he's played the last few weeks. So it'll be, it'll be fun to be – I'll be down to the game watching it and uh, see how the whole thing kind of plays itself out. And, Finn, there were a lot of folks who were kind of wondering if – if this version of Marcus Mariota, this opportunity for Mariota behind center, could could maybe do something like going to the Titans did for Ryan Tannehill and kind of had this this second act of his career in a resurgence, it doesn't necessarily seem like that's completely been the case, though, and you kind of alluded to it there. What's been your evaluation of Mariota so far? It's just there's something missing. Um, he throws it like a – I played with Chris Chandler who could put the ball – anywhere he wanted to on the football field, over linebackers, between DBs, perfect stride. Matt Ryan was the same way. Marcus seems to throw like a flatter ball with not as much ability to have the touch you need and intermediate throws. And I think that's what's really hurt his chances of being 
better than he did better than he is today. So <clears throat> there's just some throws between him and Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts got targeted, I think, seven or eight times last week in the last two weeks and has like four or five catches to show with 16 or 17 targets. So you just can't live that way. You can't miss opportunities that we've had. Um, so he's been okay. He's, he's, listen, Marcus is fun to watch. I mean, he's super athletic still. Uh, he can throw it a long way. There's just that intermediate touch pass that he seems to be missing, and there's some big plays we've left out on the football field. Brian, I love that you brought up Chris Chandler throwing him in there. That's great. <laughs> I was texting with him the other day. He's our guy. Hey, man, you mentioned oh, you know, playing that. with those quarterbacks, and you also played with Michael Vick. And we have a guy up here in Chicago, you know, Justin Fields, that's just, you know, the best athlete on the field. Obviously, you were one of the best athletes out there as well. But what was it like playing with Michael Vick and just seeing some unscripted plays and just playing with somebody that's that gifted out there as a, at the quarterback position? It's awesome. Uh, to get a chance to play five years with Michael Vick like I did was, was special. It's a, different, it's a different mindset you have to have as a receiver. Uh, remember, we traded for Peerless Price like in 2003 oh, oh, or 04. And Peerless is coming down from Buffalo playing with Eric Moulds and Bledsoe and, and um, the other quarterback that was up there slipping my, imagine, slipping my mind right now. But it was throw, 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 90-plus catches, 1,500-yard receivers, 10 touchdowns. I mean, that's not how it goes in Atlanta with Michael Vick as your quarterback. You're a run-first football team. you got a three-headed monster at the time with, like, T.J. Duckett and work done, and Michael Vick led the league in rushing for two straight years. So I'd imagine – that's what it's going to be like for Justin Fields. Too athletic to just let him sit back there in the pocket and not use his legs to his advantage like he has the last few weeks. But as a receiver, you have to have the mindset that you're not going to catch 10 balls or 8 balls or even 7 balls a week. You might get 4 or 5 big giant plays because everybody's loading the box trying to stop Justin Fields and company. And you have to have that mindset that it's not going to be all you want. A peerless ended up asking, he got traded, that paid some good money to come down to Atlanta. Got, and, and then a year and a half later, he's asking to be traded out of here because he wasn't happy, he was frustrated with the system, he wasn't getting along with different people. And Unless you have the right mindset as a receiver in a system that they're going to play like with Chicago and even here in Atlanta now, um, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Brian, you were Vic's preferred target, as I recall. And, and um, how, how does that develop? Is it just – I mean, obviously you're, you're a tall man, you're a big target guy – and, and he's on the move often. How did that mm-hmm. relationship develop? How did, um, how did he discover you, let's say? I mean, we know, we know you had a great career. I'm just curious how that chemistry developed with him. Yeah, well, I think it starts. It's um, training camp, mini camp, OTAs. How much do you really want to build a relationship with your quarterback? And I knew, being the tall, slow, white guy on the team, that I needed all the help I could get. And that, and that was – Rooming with the rooming with the quarterbacks, um, doing whatever I can to spend time with them, locker next to them, things like that. You build that relationship, and then I practiced every day. I mean, I didn't miss a practice. And, and anymore these days, guys take Wednesdays off or get there's Thursdays they're tired, so they get half the practice off. So I practiced every day with Mike and did stuff before and after practice. And you just start developing the relationship where he can throw you a fade down on the goal line from the five yard line, and you know it's coming. And based off of the defensive back's leverage, it's going to be back corner of the end zone by the pylon. Or, based off the height discrepancy that we practice all week, he's just going to throw me a jump ball and say, go beat that guy, Finn. So it's working together, it's timing, and then the relationship you build. And I hope those young receivers are, are doing that in Chicago for you guys and Justin Fields. 
And you had a, a six five frame and really long arm, so you had a huge catch radius with with good dependable hands. So the Bears just traded for Chase Claypool. Now he's he's much thicker than you. He's probably built closer to Alty Crumpler than than Brian Finneran or some <laughs> some meld, some blend of the two. But he's a very big guy. How, how have you seen wide receiver evolve over the years? Not only just with the physical ability, but the way they're used. Because you know Claypool was a guy in Pittsburgh. He didn't only line up outside at his size. He'd line him up in the slot. And it feels like guys move around more in the game today, even for bigger, more statuesque receivers than was the case back in the day. Yeah, man. Um, I've loved watching it kind of progress. And I got to play with some big, big ones, too. Michael Jenkins, probably 6'4", 220. And Roddy White, although he was 6'1", 6'2", he was thick, too, at 210. And then I got when I left, when the Falcons decided I wasn't uh, going to play here anymore, I was 34, 35 years old, and they told me they're going to try to get younger. And here comes a guy named Julio Jones. I said, uh, mission accomplished, <laughs> younger and better and faster. <laughs> so I've watched these guys continue to grow and, and become – I mean, Mike Evans, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, these guys are special, special, big, giant athletes, and um, you just have to continue to grow and, and work. I mean – to see some of these guys when I go down on the field and, and watch them anymore these days, Patrick and, and Anthony, you guys, you watch those guys, you're like, was I out here with these monsters? Because these guys are humongous, even the receiver and yep. tight end positions anymore. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of a big guy, Cordero Patterson, everybody here in Chicago is familiar with him. I know he's coming off an injury. He's played the last two weeks, but he's had limited uh, kind of number of carries and catches. Will his, uh, his role expand today? Do you think we'll see more of him? I certainly hope so. He's too good. He loves mm-hmm. the game of football, guys. He... He plays like I want to play when if I, if I had put a helmet back on. I mean, gets downhill, runs physical, doesn't go out of bounds, sniffs out the first down marker and the goal line when he's down there. He's got a nose to score touchdowns, and he just he loves the idea of playing football. You can just see it exuding out of his body when he's on the football field. And I think it was three, two weeks ago maybe, um, he had a good first half. I think he had like seven or eight touches, 65 yards, whatever it was. And he had two touches the rest of the game. I mean, it was like, what are we doing? We're getting away from a veteran who knows how to run, who runs hard, who's been effective and efficient every time he seems to touch the football. Let's start feeding him some more. So I, I hope you're exactly right. I think maybe he's on a bit of a pitch count, but he's been on the field for two straight weeks, and now it's time to get him, get him the rock in the entire football game. You know, it's, it's amazing to watch him because he was here, and they brought him in. And, you know, obviously he was drafted as a wide receiver and kind of made his impact as a return guy. It wasn't until he really got to New England that they started using him in different ways. And the Bears seemed befuddled as to how to get anything out of him. And and now he's a running back. I mean, it's it's extraordinary to watch kind of the way his career is going. The other thing is, that personality that you see there was not here in Chicago. Like he was just lower key. He was really good in the locker room with the guys. Everybody loved him, but I think maybe they didn't know how to use him, and that kind of kept him a little bit shy. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, interesting. I don't know what it is. I think we still didn't believe it going to training camp this year, guys. I, I was watching him. I was like, why is Patterson still working with the running backs? I mean, every single rep was running back this year in training camp in OTAs. I was waiting for the receiver and never would do it. And I wasn't sure it was going to work. But after watching him last year and the first part of this year before he banged up uh, his knee, um, he's, a, he's a, just a football He's just a football player. You can put him at receiver in the slot. You can put him uh, at running back where he's been super effective this year for us. So 
of whatever happened, uh, uh, maybe it was Arthur Smith kind of seeing something that he did in, in New England and, and being able to turn that into what it, what he's become today. Aside from Grady Jarrett, uh, is there anyone else actually lining up on defense for the Falcons? <laughs> That's hilarious. I said this week, this week is a Dean Pease kind of week because he's got to prove to me he can coach some ball. He's been a little bit handcuffed, boys, with the injuries and lack of talent um, on the defensive side of the football. So he's trying to piece this thing together, and it has not been good. It's been really frustrating to watch. So Grady continues to get double teamed, and it's not his fault. It's, I would double, double team him too if the other guys aren't making plays. So we're waiting for somebody to make a play. I'm waiting for Dean Pease to drop the perfect defense and get these guys situated, and it just hasn't happened yet. So hopefully maybe this is the week against your Bears where our defense can get right because it has been really frustrating to watch at times. We got guys. I mean, these are NFL football players that have gone through comp combines and college careers and everything else. But I don't know if there's some kryptonite on that side of the football. They can't seem to get to the quarterback and sack them. They can't seem to get off the field on third down. So it's been it's been a bit of a frustrating year defensively for sure. Sounds like the Bears defense. Hey man, you, you talked <laughs> about playing with Michael Vick. Well, then they're going against Justin Fields. So how should Dean Pease play? Justin Fields, what what hurts you guys when you had Michael Vick as far as a game plan? Blitzing him, you know, playing back in coverage, loading the box. What 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 do you expect today? We we had a tough time. I can remember with Tampa Bay, the Tampa two with mm-hmm. Rondé Barber and um, Sapp and Simeon Rice and all the different guys, Derek Brooks, guys they had flying around on defense. John Lynch. I mean, when the, when you have a defense like that, <clears throat> they can play straight up cover two. Uh, you can mix in a few different blitzes and things like that. But when you're really good at what you do, it's like the Legion of Boom when they had that cover three up in Seattle because the front seven was getting after the quarterback and stuff in the run so much. Those guys can just sit back there and feast. Well, Tampa Bay was really good at Tampa too. They had athletes all over the field that could, could run a little bit, and they seemed to kind of either confuse Mike a little bit, Mike Vick, when we played him back in the day, and um, and be able to contain him as well. As soon as you go – um, two man or to get a one high and forget about the quarterback when you're playing guys like Vic and Justin Fields and even Mariota to that ex- to a certain extent, they can hurt you with their legs and that's what you try to prevent. Do you have a spy? I mean, I, I would imagine you try to spy Justin Fields after what he's done the last two weeks with the ball in his hands. So takes away one one defender as well. So you you kind of you got to pick your poison. You got to bring it when you think you can bring it, and you got to sit back and play a nice, solid zone when you when you think you can kind of make them be a passer and maybe make a make a mistake. Brian, um, there's so many ex Bears and ex Bears GMs connected to this game. Ex Bears coaches, right? The the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Have you heard from any of these guys? You know, has Phil Emery made an appearance or Ryan Pace? Have, have you heard from them other than the the obvious people that have to talk? Does that, has anyone said anything? Just curious. We really haven't. No, we. I had a, one of our guys on 680 The Fan in the afternoon drive was talking about how you have all those guys, former Bears executives and coaches, and, and uh, we really have not heard. They're kind of behind the scenes right. from what I can tell. So I haven't heard a whole lot from them, not publicly anyway. Mm-mm. Hey, Brian, great stuff. Really appreciate all the insights. Thanks, and and I, I'm assuming you took <laughs> Atlanta in the game? Uh, yeah, we will never – what are we? Um, what is it? Three points today? I yes. Think, uh, yeah, I like to. I like the Falcons to figure out a way to win this week and keep our hopes alive. Just just long enough to to make us hurt real bad when they lose it down the stretch. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a good prediction. All I right, think he's buddy, in the wrong you. city. Sounds like yeah. he's in yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only right, we're not boys, in have it. A good one. Great stuff, Brian. Thank you. That's Brian Finneran, WCNN six eighty, the fan in Atlanta. That's hysterical, Pat. I mean that that you're absolutely right. I mean, Anthony and I got a call at the end of uh, the show we did on Thursday, and the guy wanted to shut down Justin Fields for fear that he'd get hurt. Like we've seen enough. We got the quarterback. Bring him back in two years after the team's built, and then, oh, oh my God. The Andrew All Luck right. approach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back. It's the pregame show. You got Patrick Manley, Anthony Heron, and I'm called Mully, and it's Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score. Obviously, a lot of excitement through our building tonight. Um, we feel really fortunate to be able to get Justin, you know, in, in the area of the draft. We were able to select him. Uh, the excitement throughout our whole building, you can feel it as I walk down here tonight. Um what he's going to do for the future of our organization. There's so much guys that goes into this process, as you well know, but starting with Matt and our scouts and our coaches, as we build into this moment and and into tonight. But I think, uh, you know, when we select a quarterback, uh, the situation that that quarterback is coming into is critical. And uh, I think we provide a great situation as I kind of alluded to a couple of days ago for that quarterback's development to happen. Andy is our starter, uh, and we're going to have a really good plan in place to develop Justin and, and do what's best for our organization to win games. It's the pregame show on the score. Patrick Manley, Anthony Heron, and I'm Mike Mulligan. I do the morning show. Um, look, guys, that is the voice of Ryan Pace, and he was here for seven years, and – the best thing he did, apparently, was draft Justin Fields. That's from April 29th, 2001, when he came down after they made the big deal and uh, and traded up and got Justin Fields and felt like they had the quarterback of the future. We haven't seen Pace. I mean, I I, I know that they got rid of most of the guys that, that he drafted, but his fingerprints are still on this team. Are you surprised that he didn't want to take a bow over Justin Fields, or <laughs> is it still too painful? No, I'm not surprised. I think that's just who he is. I mean, he's, you know, I think I heard some guys on the station talking about, you know, that he didn't do a great job here, obviously. I thought it, seven years was a little too long. I thought he yeah. didn't need to stay here the last couple of years. But that doesn't mean you're not a good guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's a good guy. He's well-respected. Um, and I think he understands, hey, I'll let Justin Fields speak for me with his play. I don't need to come out and speak for myself. So I, that's that's the way I feel about that. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, it's uh... – you know, when it comes down to it, he had a bunch of picks here. The the ones that stand out to me, the first pick I, I remember getting really excited about was Roquan. I felt like, all right, as opposed to all these these projects that he was taking, where oh, we gotta we gotta see whether or not Kevin White develops into an NFL receiver. We gotta see if yeah. if Leonard Floyd develops into a true NFL pass rusher. All right, we got this quarterback. Let's see if they can make something out of this kid that nobody really knows that much about. Trubisky. And then they took. They took Roquan Smith. I said, all right, that, that's a day one starter. You're in the top ten of the draft year after year, Ryan Pace. You finally took a day one starter. Roquan worked out pretty well for the Bears. And now Justin Fields. I mean, when he, when he took Justin Fields last year, there were, there were a lot of folks, myself included, hopeful that if he drops, would the Bears be willing? We've seen Pace be aggressive before. They were aggressive. They went up and got Fields. But that was where Ryan Pace fell short as much as anything. I, I, I don't necessarily – I understand the idea, the concept that we all discussed for years while he was here 
of trying to take projects, trying to take developmental people with traits, but you need to have an infrastructure in place for how you develop that talent, how you maximize their skills, both throughout the week and throughout the off season. And then in season, put them in positions for success. And between Ryan Pace and then, of course, the over the second half of his 10-year plus, Matt Nagy, they weren't developing the talent that they got into Hallis Hall. And my impression is there's at least there's an attempt to restructure that, to refine that by the new brass in place, where, where Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus constantly talk about development, constantly talk about fundamentals. And that, especially when you've got a roster this young, it should, it should, when you're doing it correctly, end up making a difference for how your franchise can have some sustainability to it. And, um, and Phil Emery works there too. Obviously, uh, Doc Emery you know, predates uh, Ryan Pace. That, that was the most absurd uh, period of time. That was like, a, that was like a, uh, some sort of a comedy, like uh, you know, English comedy, doors slamming and people coming out and someone going in and you know, on and off the stage. That just turned into farce. That, you got that wide receivers experience. fighting with kickers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad oh. it got. <laughs> you got the weeping assistant coach apologizing yep. to the quarterback. I mean, it just got crazy. And you go back and look at that, and, you know, he was either going to hire Bruce Arians or he, Bruce Arians, oh. or he was going to hire Mark Tressman. And it just came down to, to that bad decision ended up kind of – we haven't heard from Phil in a long time. Yeah, and guys, that obviously I was on those teams. I was there when Phil came in. I knew Phil from the beginning when he was under Jerry Angelo right. and left and then came back and have a lot of respect for him as a, as, a, as a man, a great friend of mine, but I do disagree with some of the moves he made. I've told him that. Um, I wrote a letter to him about the Brian Urlacher when he was going to let Brian Urlacher go. Right. And I said, listen, you can't do this. He's, he's so integral to this team. Okay, yes, he's not the Hall of Fame level of, of athlete or player right now, but he is so important to this team and the transition from Lovey Smith to Mark Tressman that you have to keep him. You need to keep him in this locker room because he will sell the team to Mark Tressman. Brian Urlacher is a Chicago bear. Right. You know, he's played for Dick Chiron and Lovey Smith love Lovey, obviously, but he's a Chicago bear. And I said, I think you're making a mistake by letting him walk. Um, you know, I just think he'll, he'll help Mark Tressman and this new regime walk into this locker room and he'll sell it to him. And uh, he said, no, I disagree. I don't think that's going to help at all. And I, I, I think he made. I think it's obvious he made a mistake. I think some yep. of those older guys on that team did not buy into what Mark Tressman was selling, and he kind of showed it as it went along. And that was a Phil Emery issue that he made a mistake on. And then obviously I th- thought he made a mistake first off, but by firing Lovey Smith. But um, oh yeah, yeah, Phil, Phil just ten and six. The, yeah, the, the team just turned just sour, you know, when he when he took charge. Well, they, I mean, the disrespect for Erlacher. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. ways of moving on from someone, but the, to leave him hanging and then give him a, a, a ultimatum and then replace him basically five minutes later. That, yeah. I mean, that, Brian talked to him, and, and, you know, next thing you know, he's got a new guy signed, and they announced that uh, that, that Erlacher. That, was that made us sick in the locker room. I, I mean, honestly made us I sick to did. treat one of yours like that and one of the all-time greats, first ballot Hall of Famer like that. It made us yeah. sick. Yeah, that, and it's interesting when you evaluate the you know the role that, that bears ownership, the, the Callis, the the McCaskey, the Hallis family, and just what you know how they have to be able to evaluate this moving forward. Because you know when you're thinking about the the coaching candidates that have rolled through over the years, you know it, it's not like John Fox didn't have a resume 
when he was hired, but it, but it fell flat while he was here. It's not like other folks weren't trying to get Mac Nagy. He was one of the hottest names in coaching when he was hired, and, and that fell resoundingly flat, as did things with Ryan Pace. And that's where just organizationally, infrastructurally, that, that's where you know, my hope is, and it, I'm, I'm you know, getting inklings of that just with the way that Ryan Poles sounds and the methodical, seemingly calculated approach he's taking, and Matt Eberflus, the kind of patient, calculated way he seems to be going about things, my hope is that we're seeing the early stages where maybe ownership is getting a, has gotten a better sense for not only do we need to hire kind of quote-unquote the right guy or some individual that other people wanted as well, but how do we maybe empower them to put the infrastructure in place, to modernize this Bears franchise? Because, you know, it's one thing to hire the individual, but, but are you actually setting them up for success because we've seen the last few regimes here there might be that one season where things are cool or maybe not even that one season but right you know whether the first season went great or went awful we haven't seen it get better we haven't seen the last few yes. regimes improving as they've been with the Chicago Bears it's an interesting point because I heard uh, earlier in the week uh, trying to remember I think it was Colin Cowherd who talked about the Bears and said for the first time in a long time you can say they got the right head coach. They got the right general manager. They got the right quarterback. They got the right offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know that you can say all that. I, I think <laughs> that's yet to be determined. I'm not – hey, I, I, I really appreciate Matt Eberflus coming in here and being organized and, and you know, changing this all the pre-snap penalties and all the horrors of the last administration. But – you know, they're they're just starting this thing. You know, mm-hmm. I hope everybody's going crazy about the draft pick. You can get great players at the top of a draft, as you mentioned. You can also draft a guy that's an injured receiver that you probably didn't do enough homework on. You can draft a yeah. quarterback that uh, that you spent everything on. You can't you, – you hire a coach, you do everything, and you can't get it out of them. You know, you they if you don't understand the importance of the draft and how – how 50-50 nature this thing is. And I get it. If, if you draft higher, odds are, odds are that you're going to get better players. And everyone's talking about, you know, right now the Bears would pick number six or something, and that's where Waddle went, the receiver from Miami that we saw at number six. That's where, that's where uh, uh, Barcavius Mingo went. And he was here <laughs> at, at last year as, as an afterthought, the guy trying to hang on to the league. Oh, you know, that guy did okay. Well, he was a first-round draft pick. He was the sixth mm-hmm. overall selection. You just – you know, Trubisky went number two. It, it is a crapshoot, and determining if you have the right GM, and obviously the last two are in Atlanta, it, that happens after a number of draft picks, and you see what you bring in. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just still – my fingers are crossed. I mean, they've messed – Yeah, I agree. They've hired the wrong people so many times in the past um, – that it's just my fingers are crossed. You go back to 2018. We're, we're flying high, right, in Chicago with the Bears, with Matt Nagy, young head coach, and doing well with that great defense, obviously. You lose Vic Fangio. So there's a lot of moving parts that can happen that you don't know that if it's going to be successful. So mine is just fingers crossed. I just hope they get them right. And you're correct about the draft. You never know. We had Curtis Enos, who I thought was going to be a great player. Yeah. I think he was drafted number five, right, that blew out his knee. I mean, you just never know that, that if that draft pick is going to be a franchise-changing player. And then the other thing is free agency. You don't know what's going to happen when you pay somebody all this money. They might change. You know, you've seen it. Good yeah. players go to other places, and they get that big <laughs> paycheck. And next thing you know, like, oh, I made it. I'm done. 
and they don't bring the same intensity, the same playability or whatever it is to the team. So this just my fingers are crossed with these guys right now. And I think this offseason, I don't think, we know this offseason is, is very, very important for this franchise. It's huge. There's going to be a lot of turnover of the roster. And, and right now there's a bunch of guys who recognize there's an opportunity here to show that they should be a part of whatever the future holds for the Chicago Bears. And there's, you know, the, the, the end of innocence is going to come this offseason and going mm-hmm. into next season where, you know, a lot of the city can have the smiles on their faces right now because you see what's happening with the quarterback and there's the, the promise yep. of, of the offseason to come and all these unwrapped Chris, Christmas gifts that Ryan Poles is going to be responsible for in his pseudo Santa Claus kind of mode here because it's going to be money to spend. <laughs> is he going to do it wisely? It, is the roster as it's reshaped? going to lead the Bears to more wins. Right now, 3-7, and seven, you can have a city smiling like Chicago is at 3-7 and seven right now. You certainly want to maximize that as much as you can, and you know, we'll, we'll see what the, what the future ends up holding here. But Ryan Pohl's going to have a, a big say and a big offseason to help figure that out. Okay, we got a lot to get into. We're going to have to talk about one of our least favorite subjects next, that, of course, the Bears' defense and how do they improve. Oh, they yeah, got a, they have one they of got a young too. player yeah. who's playing well, right? Don't they have a player who's had a couple good games? We'll mention Jack Sanborn and talk about him. Um, and then we're going to talk to Grody later on. Grody, I mean, this is a huge game for him. This is the uh, Demir Bird, Pat. I mean, Grody's been <laughs> oh, crazy. Right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> we, oh, man. We, we got a lot left, and we'll, we'll get right to it. It's the pregame show here on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.